We're in John chapter 18. I've changed my three or four pages. We chapter 18. We made it through the long prayer, man. Yeah, we made it through the long prayer of Jesus, which in some ways John puts in chapter 17 before they get to the garden. And elements from it can be found in the synoptics in the garden. In fact, not much happens in the Garden of Gethsemane in John's Gospel except Jesus gets arrested. Essentially, that's what he's gone there to do. There's no praying. There's no disciples falling asleep and Jesus coming back and saying, couldn't you stay awake with me? And going back and praying and agonizing and coming back. No, that's not there. That's not there in John's Gospel. So it's a little different. It's a little different. What we're going to do tonight is we're going to read chapter 18 and read its parallels in the synoptics. So we can get a kind of a grip on how John handles the material differently than the synoptics. And we'll find that there are interesting, the interesting differences between the synoptics on the issue, there are actually strong correlations between John and, and, and at least one of the synoptics. And all the synoptics on a couple of issues. So let's go ahead and start. After Jesus had spoken these words. Now, what words were those? Well, it's not just the Lord's Supper. It's all of this lengthy chapter after chapter after chapter conversation with, uh, about him and from 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 with the prayer. And now finally 18. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. Now there you got an interesting difference. In the synoptics, Jesus doesn't come to Jerusalem until the very end, not really. He's not in Jerusalem much at all in the synoptics. But in John's gospel, he's there quite a bit, isn't he? And here we have an indication that this in accord with that understanding, that Jesus had been to the Garden of Gethsemane quite a bit with his disciples. So Judas brought, verse 3, so Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees. And they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. So it sounds sort of really kind of official, really kind of uh, like a delegation has been dispatched to come and get Jesus. And Judas is leading them. All right. So Judas I don't, brought. I don't, I don't think the Pharisees had police. <laughs> their own police forces. The Pharisees had their own rent-a-cops. The Pharisees didn't like the chief priests much more than, than the Christians did. It's an interesting image, isn't it? It's, it's something that kind of makes you go, huh? Now, temple police I get. Temple guard yeah. I get. But the, the Pharisees and their rent-a-cops maybe? I, it's really weird. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers. That would be Romans. Probably Romans. At this point, we'd have to say probably. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests. Okay, now that would be the temple guard. And the Pharisees. Well, they're going to be the same group. And they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. 
Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, remember Jesus is omniscient. We've seen this again and again and again. Uh, there's no question as to what's going to happen. He knows what's going to happen before it happens. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, whom are you looking for? Well, Which definitely begs the question, doesn't it? If he knew everything that was going it's to a, happen. It's a rhetorical question. It certainly is. Um, he must be looking for me. Uh, uh, whom seek ye, I think, is how the King James renders that. Yes, it does. Uh -huh. <laughs> Thank you, Which is far King better James. English, by the way, <laughs> than whom are you looking for. Yeah. I mean, that's just bad English in RSV translators. How does the RSV render that uh, question there in verse 4? You got the, NR, you got the oh, RSV. You got the RSV. You got the RSV. Revised Standard Version. Revised standard oh, version. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so read verse 4, that question of Jesus at the end of the verse. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to befall him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? Whom do you That's seek? Good English. Whom do you seek? Excellent English. <coughs> Whom seek ye? Excellent English, although it's about 400 years old. <laughs> and no quotation marks. I don't know. Mine's in red, though, baby. The NIV reads how? They left the M off of who. Who is it you want? Who is it you want? Well, that's appropriate. That It's a far looser translation of the original, but it does get the point across without butchering the English language. One of my complaints about the NRSV is sometimes when they're trying to be politically correct in terms of gender issues, they end up screwing up the English language, and this is an example of it. Whom are you looking for? Now, they could have said, for whom are you looking? <laughs> Which would have been good English, but very stilted. How does the... Uh, Which verse is it? Verse 4, oh. chapter 18. Then Jesus knowing all... Let's see. Whom do you seek? Whom do you seek? That is a good rendering. So that is a good. very good, good rendering yeah, of the original. Mm -hmm. I just get... This is a side issue for me, but I get very frustrated when the NRSV... <laughs> Butchers the English language like this. <laughs> it just kind of grates it. In those days, people probably didn't go around and say, Who do you see? Who are you looking for? <laughs> then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom do you seek? They answered, I'm changing it. I'm fixing my NRSV. Whom do you seek? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am. Another I am. Now, notice your he. Does yours have he? No. Does yours have he? Does your have he? The King James, the, uh, the Nestle Elan 27th edition of the Greek New Testament leaves that out. Oh, no. It's simply, his response is quite literally, ego eimi, I am. That's the I ams. We had the I ams earlier on, we have it again. The articulation of God's name. And notice their response. Jesus replied, I am. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am, they stepped back and fell to the ground. They were stunned by it. Weren't they listening earlier on when he was talking and preaching and teaching about himself and kept on saying, I am this and I am that and I am this and I am that? I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd. Well, the Roman battalion wasn't 
around. No, but Judas that. and the temple police would have been really bothered by that. Really bothered by that. I can't kind of get mental image of like dominoes going over. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Again, he asked them, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. That sounds a little more like Matthew dealing with, uh, dealing with both scripture and with proclamations of Jesus. John doesn't do a lot of that, but he starts doing it. He's done it several times in previous chapters recent. I've got and to know from that before from saying, and I agree with it, it sounds a little bit more Calvinistic to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't think Calvin lived, though, in, oh, well, you don't in the first century. <laughs> hey, it's all one moment in time. Verse 10. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Poor guy. Now, the mental image, I still want to know, how could Peter take a sword and just chop off his right ear? Now, either Peter's left-handed or he's coming at Malchus from behind. And unless he has great big Dumbo ears, he's a really good shot to just get an ear without taking off the shoulder or the head. Unless Unless he was still on the ground. If he hadn't gotten up from falling on the ground. Yeah, struck him, he falls down, he then, from above, yeah. possibly. Oh, I've well, always thought it was so a mistake. Right. It was a miss. He was trying to decapitate the <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. It was a here. miss? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I've always assumed. I mean, why in the oh, world wow. That's a good go after somebody's ear? For... <laughs> yeah, but why would Peter want to decapitate Van Gogh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it's a fight. You know, it's, it's a description. It's, yes, it's it is kind a description of a, of a fight. A watered-down description of a fight. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Place. Notice the first part of it where he says, struck the high priest's slave. That's like he beats into him, knocks him down, takes his sword, and whack. Mm-hmm. So, so there were soldiers, yep. and there was the high priest's slave. Yeah, Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and apparently there were also other servants of the high priest there. But he doesn't say that earlier on. We hear that from elsewhere, by the way. Now, the, the King James talks about there was a band of men and officers from the high priest. Band of men and officers oh, from the high not priest. The not quite as, not quite Soldier, as detailed. Soldiers. Say soldiers. Yeah, this says, uh, NIV says some officials. Officials. Some Officials. Would you think of officials that better have slaves with them because it would be yeah. untidy of them not to Could bring well a slave. Yeah. Could well be. Okay, we're almost to the point where we're going to start comparing, but I want to finish this little bit here. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. I am, am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? And let's stop there. So he asks this rhetorical question. Of course, the response is, well, yes, you are. (laughs) All right. Now, time to compare. Good place to stop and compare. So let's go to the first of the Gospels written, which is Mark chapter 14. 
Remember, Mark is the basis upon which Matthew and Luke are written. There are some interesting divergences here. Go to verse 43. Immediately, while he was still speaking, and they're in the garden here, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. And with him there was a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. No Pharisees in that group. No, no Pharisees listed. Now the betray, although you would assume that maybe they're amongst the elders. Yeah, the Pharisees were the outgroup. They were, they were the they weren't. Hamas of the time. <laughs> they were considered to be sort of... Um, uh, well, they were, they, were the, they were challenging the Sadducees for authority. And the Sadducees were the ones in charge, and they were the ones who, who were in, in direct connection with the Roman authorities. But the Pharisees had a little more respectability than like the Zealots or the Essenes who completely separated themselves and engaged in out-and-out warfare or removed themselves from Jewish society and lived monastically out on the Dead Sea or next to the Dead Sea. Um, The Pharisees were strong in Galilee, stronger in Galilee, but they were also strong in Jerusalem and they were on the outs with the Sadducees. But apparently they did get along for some things but Mark okay. seems to relate more the more likelihood that if you're going to be sending a, a group to arrest Jesus representing the Sanhedrin and especially the high priest who is a Sadducee, it's going to be pretty much as it's described here in Mark. Hmm. Well, NIV is, I'm interested in that Greek uh, verb because they're saying sent, sent from these people. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent, S-E-N-T, from the chief, from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Mine just drops the sent and says, from the chief priests, uh-huh. the scribes, and the elders. Mm-hmm. What is the Greeks? Is, is there a verb there? Well, I don't know. I'll have to look. That's Mark 14, verse 43. Mm-hmm. Mark 14, 43. Is that kind of relieves them of some responsibility? Well, there's still we official representation. Relieves who of responsibility? The, the people, the chief priests. It's putting them one step back if they just sent these people if they're not really there. Um, from, quite literally, it's, it, it's a grammatical construction from. Immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived with him there was a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. There's no question these folks are there representing the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, the leaders of the Jewish people. Who were not present there themselves? Well, why would you say from? If they were present, you wouldn't say that. So they weren't there. They weren't there. That's what I'm saying. They're not there, but they have been sent by. There's no question about that. Yeah, I get that. The grammatical construction says they says essentially they come from, but you don't need the the, you don't need the verb there. Right. Gotcha. Um, Cool. That's interesting. Let's keep going. Verse 44. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. 
So when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Well, right there, we have a major difference. I mean, a major difference. In Mark's gospel, that's how we identify who Jesus is. In John's gospel, there is no kiss. Judas leads them to the garden to where they are, but does not point out who Jesus is amongst them. They have to ask, where is Jesus of Nazareth in John's gospel? There is no kiss. There is no, no indication of that at all. He's in charge by God. Uh -huh. They didn't even oh, have to ask. I'm one. Come on. Yeah, he, Jesus, is, he was pushing them. He said, right. Jesus, and John. Jesus, yeah, Jesus, Jesus says, to said, whom whom do you seek? And the response is, Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, but he had to push them. And he yeah, he has them. to ask them, what you know, whom do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth, not the one that this fellow here is, is going to smooch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is no indicate. Judas doesn't play a role in John's gospel other than to lead them to the garden to where they are. So this is a big difference. This is a significant difference. See, one, one of the mysteries of, of this story is that if Jesus was such a uh, thorn in the side of, and coming in, you know, on a donkey with the, you know, why did they need anybody to identify him? They should be. <laughs> they know what he looked like. You know? Of course, they didn't have television. They didn't have photographs. Well, they didn't have any of that ability. Well, they, you know, you know. <laughs> all those rabbis look alike. You know, <laughs> those beer. rabbis from that. Yeah, they got the beard. She. To Romans, those rabbis. Sure. All they, Jews look alike. <laughs> Big nose. <laughs> so not only does he have to ID him, but he has to kiss him in order to make sure they know who it is. You know. Yeah, and, and that's in Mark, that's in Matthew and Luke, as we'll see. That's not in John. That's not in John. So which is more authentic, would you say? In my opinion, the synoptics are more trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. John, again, has theologized this. Certainly. With, whom do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. I am. <laughs> whom do you down. seek? Jesus of Nazareth. I am. Didn't you hear me? I already told you. Are you deaf? You need a hearing aid? I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. It, there is a more of a theological character to John, and we're going to see that throughout this whole process. We've already seen it throughout the whole gospel. But now we're back into a more of a chronological process, and it's still heavily theologized. Mark seems to deal with this more in, a, in more of a... It has the character of a, of a greater historicity. Whether it does or doesn't actually have that is another matter. But it certainly contains the character of that. Well, the more likely reason for needing Judas was, to, was just to find him. Find him, yeah. Because he was, you know, which constantly disappearing. <laughs> which follows more. Which follows more John. Yeah. Where he, but 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 also the synoptics with Judas leading them there to find Jesus, but he also identifies him. Well, John is not going to miss the opportunity, I don't think, to give an I am statement. That is also true. That is also true. Okay. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Well, Judas is giving directions and orders here. Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. So when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Verse 46. Then they laid hands on him and arrested him. But one of those who stood near drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest 
cutting off his ear. Wow. Okay, that's that's essentially the same thing. Yeah. Now the details are left out. John gives us the name of the person who did it, the name of the person who lost his ear, and John also gives us specificity as to which ear. <laughs> what theology but Mark is contains What's the theology in that? I'm confused. The specificity? Yeah, the right ear. I don't and why Peter and why Malchus? Why even mention that? Why are those details that? Well, not everything in John is purely theological. <laughs> Remember that too, by the way. Remember the 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 basic understanding of the source of Mark's gospel has been uh, thanks to Papias pinned down to Peter that Peter's preaching was written down by Mark or whoever wrote it down incorporated a lot of Peter's teaching and hence Peter's point of view and. This is one of those things that follows. Peter is sort of ameliorating his oh. stupidity by leaving out the fact that it was him who did it. Possibly. I don't know. In other areas, he comes right out and owns up to it, and the other gospels exonerate him of it in other things, not in this. But here, it just leaves the identity out, whereas John's gospel tells us it's Peter, and it fits Peter's character to kind of want to do that, although it could have been... It could have been almost any of the other disciples. I was going to ask the question earlier. I thought Peter was not a fisherman. What was the deal with him? What's he was a fisherman. Well, the fishermen carry swords to like kill the fish. Or no, something. they would, would carry a knife to cut the lines and whatnot. Yeah, would be but, a really a, but he wouldn't be carrying a sword since he came from Galilee after fishing. No, I don't think he has this sword because uh, he wouldn't. He carried around one on the boat. No. Exactly. Uh, he, he, he fought with swordfish. No, he 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 has one with him because Jesus told them to buy one. And earlier on, he says, "I'll fight for you, Lord." And he says that in John's gospel. They're kind of hiding out, you know, and so it's like they're they're protecting themselves, I think. And Jesus calls it off. Or, or Essentially, that's exactly what happens. In 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 fact, in that, that's true in all four gospels. He stops the 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 fight. Um, uh, okay. Then Jesus said to them, verse 48, Then Jesus said to them, Have you come out with... Now notice who he's speaking to. Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, but you did not arrest me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. All of them deserted him and fled. So he doesn't even address Peter or whoever it is that chopped mm -hmm. off the serpent's ear. He t instead addresses the crowd and says, you could have arrested me when I was in the temple, and now you're going to arrest me as if I'm some kind of a bandit. And his disciples flee. And that, that is not a jump. Yeah. No, none of the fleeing. The fleeing is a synoptic characteristic. It's not a Johannine one. It's not yet. Not yet. <laughs> That's so, so differences are... John has more specificity as to who chops off the ear, who gets the ear chopped off, and which ear is chopped off, and more specificity to Jesus stopping and why he stops them and what he says. One of the big principal differences is that um, uh, uh, Judas has to identify who Jesus is with a kiss, and in uh, and there's actually you know some conversation here between Judas and Jesus. And in John's gospel, there's none of that. I don't think you go 
around kissing Jesus in John's gospel. <laughs> <laughs> Only the he, disciple whom he, Jesus he's loved. Not a kissable guy. He's an I am. Uh, kiss the I am. Okay, let's go to Matthew, chapter twenty-six. Let's get the parallel there. I have to. I just want to say that uh, using the King James here and having seen this show about how what what the those writers were doing, which was trying to make this thing accessible to the people. Why, yeah. you know, the I am he makes a lot more sense, you know, than I am. True, it does. And if you think about it, think about it for just a minute. This is totally off subject. The, the King James Version of the Bible is 400 years old this year. 1611 to 2011. That's 400 years old this year. And yet, you can pick it up and read it. And if you have better a high school education or better, preferably if you have a college education, you can really understand a huge degree of the vocabulary and grammatical construction. Now, some words have completely changed their meaning, but some word, but most of the words have retained their meaning. Nuances have shifted, but the basic, basic ideas are still there. The grammar is what has really changed significantly, more than anything else. And yet we can still read and comprehend it. You go back to the translation before the King James, the Geneva Bible. Ooh, that's a lot harder. That's a lot harder. The King James just made it sound beautiful. The translators really produced a work of art there, a beautiful piece of literature. But that's just my opinion. It's also a fairly good translation if you set aside the textual base being much later than the NRSV or the NIVs or the, N or the RSVs. Textual bases, uh, these, the textual base for the Gospels in, in the modern translations you know, is the second, third, and fourth centuries. The textual translation base for the King James is the 10th through the 14th hundreds. <laughs> so these go back to much older manuscripts and yet apart from that it's actually a fairly good translation, and even with that, it's not that different. So go to Matthew 26, 47. Matthew 26, verse 47. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, arrest him. At once he came up to Jesus and said, greetings rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, friend, do what you are here to do. Well, he kind of already did. Yeah. <laughs> That's out of order. That's John. That's the John thing. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Suddenly, one of those with Jesus put his hand on his sword, drew it, and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. So essentially this is, with a few minor exceptions, just identical to Mark. It's what we've experienced in the past. Matthew following Mark a little more closely in many ways uh, on these narrative accounts. Then Jesus, now notice, now we got a big change from Mark. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. 
Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But now, but, but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled, which say it must happen this way? He took time for a sermonette again. Well, he's addressing his disciples, trying to get them to stop the fight. He doesn't even bother doing that in Mark. Here he has a little sermonette. You're right. On mine reads, on 50, mm -hmm. Jesus said to him, Friend, why are you here? Yeah. Friend, what do you, oh, why are you here? Why are you here? Whereas in the NRSV it renders it, Friend, do what you are here to do. Yeah, mine is, wherefore art thou come? Wherefore, why, why have you come? That's just more like it. Yeah. How's the NIV render it? Friend, do what you came for. Okay, that's probably a textual difference. That's probably a textual difference with some of the older renderings, although the RSV often will, will follow, will change from what the, uh, from what, uh, the King James does, but apparently this time it didn't. Let's just, I want to just look at this and see if it's a textual issue. It should be. 40, uh, verse 50, you said? Yeah, it is. 50. 50, 50, 50. Oh. Uh-oh. Tiny print. Okay, the text as it exists in the NRSV and the NIV, it reflects the majority of the oldest manuscripts, including P37 and Vaticanus and Sinaiticus. The rendering as found in the King James and in the RSV here reflects later manuscripts including the majority type and the corrector's notices in Vaticanus and Sinaiticus. So the corrector's notices have the change there and the King James and the NRSV is following the majority text whereas the oldest manuscripts and the uncorrected unmarginal corrected uh -huh. reading in Vaticanus and Sinaiticus is uh, uh, do what you've come here to do. And that's more that's the historically older. accurate than older. The older, the, older, the older version is do what you've come here to do. Wow. Sounds like it'd be just exactly opposite, doesn't it? Because yeah, that's really like, suppositioning a lot. Do what you came here well, to do. Well, think about it. Friend. Jesus, Jesus, yeah, except that Jesus apparently knows what he's come there to do. Whereas in the King James, he's asking, what are you here for? <laughs> what are you here to do? Hmm. Interesting. That's interesting. That's an interesting difference uh, between those two. Okay, between the two translations. Well, either, either translation, the, the question seems to be superfluous. I mean, whatever he's done or the reason he's there, I mean, he's already done it. He's already kissed. Do what you can do. He's done. So neither question seems to quite follow. <laughs> Unless you think, well, are you going to kiss me? You're going to arrest me. <laughs> are we going to make out? Are you going to arrest me? <laughs> I mean, you know, think about it. <laughs> what is going on with you? It does seem a little weird. Anyway, that's that's how he identifies him. He's expecting to be betrayed, not smooched. So, I mean, it could that could be. That's pretty that could weird. be. Hmm, still kind of weird. That's a good point. Okay. He humanizes him. What was that about? Now he goes back, and we exactly. now now we push back into Mark. At that hour, that's kind of weird. Verse fifty-five. At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, 
Have you come out with, the, with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit day after day? I sat in the temple teaching, but you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. So it goes back to Mark then, after this insertion. Yeah, and I, I should have brought this up before. But it said in the NIV, it said instead of the abandoned thing, it said, and it says the same thing in Matthew. So I'm going to ask the question what? now. Am I leading a rebellion? Where? Instead of saying in my okay, so read, read, read verse 50. At, at that time, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Mm -hmm. Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Uh, leading a, a rebellion is, to me, significantly different than being a bandit. Okay? Mm -hmm. And in both Matthew and Mark in the NIV. Well, I, I've read that, that, that those concepts were not, that, that like no. Barabbas and those folks, they, they were, were rebellion. Often called bandits. They were rebellion too. I thought one of them was well, a thief. On the cross. Well, that that's that's debatable. You know, is who was he up on there on those crosses with? Was it was it just or other pickpockets, or, or were they also people accused of some type? Of, um, literally, those people were called bandits. Literally bandit. Yeah. Literally bandit. So you can't. But that's what that. the bandit does, and that's you how that's how Barabbas is described as a bandit, a murderer, and an insurrectionist. All of them are the same thing. Yeah. In other words, okay. the people in power. Judge those who want to overthrow them as being bad. Yeah. <laughs> Hence, murdering. Hence, yeah. murderers. Thieves are thieving our power. Mm. But again, okay. I want to point out that both both these so far, he's raised the same question I did: Is that you know, I've been in the temple all week long okay. teaching. You know, everybody knows who I am. You know, what, hey, what, what's going on? I've now? been there. <laughs> yeah, come on. Why did you wait until now? Hmm. All right, let's take a look at Luke. Luke is, of course, as we would expect, different. Luke 22. Mark and Matthew are essentially the same, with the exception that Matthew includes that extra little sermonette to the, to the disciples to try to stop the fight, whereas Mark just assumes that they're going to stop. Luke 22, beginning at verse 47 again. While he was still speaking... Suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? What? <laughs> Not why are you here? Not do what you've come to do, but are you going to smooch me, and by smooching me, Betray me? He asks a very interesting question that was probably, no, no pun intended, on the lips of yeah. the people who were reading this before Luke gets his hands on it, which is, what's the smooching about? What a way to betray someone with a kiss. Hmm. 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 Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around saw it, that saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, so in other words, these are the disciples, they're standing there, Lord, should we strike with the sword? And of course, they don't wait for an answer. Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Ding, 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 ding. Like Connection John. with John. 
But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear, that's the high priest's servant's ear, touched his ear and healed him. Oh, that's new. That's new. Luke is unique Luke. in having a healing of the ear. Jesus having compassion on this poor servant who's sitting there playing Van Gogh 2,000 years in advance. And he heals him. Luke, being a physician, just couldn't stand to see yeah, exactly. the ear laying out there. Well, that's in character with the tradition about the identity of the author. And we've seen this before in terms of how he diagnoses illnesses that Jesus cures. Here we have him doing that right here. No more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Now we're going to get to have back to, back to his address. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, uh, 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 that's interesting. They just appear out of nowhere. There. <laughs> then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple police, and the elders who, came, who had come for him, not there ha have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? The leader of the rebellion. Leader of the rebellion. Mm -hmm. When I was with you, when I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Thank you, Luke. Mm. All right. So we now have the arrest of Jesus, and we've seen the interconnections and the differences. The synoptics deal with this bit about Judas's job is to identify who Jesus is. Notice one difference between Matthew, Mark on one hand and Luke on the other. In Matthew, Mark, Judas kisses Jesus. In Luke, he doesn't. Did you notice that? Just as... Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you notice that? Did In Luke, he doesn't, but he yeah. still gets the same question. Yeah, he's coming forward to kiss him. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? Okay, but betraying is active tense. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Is it with a kiss that you're betraying the so Son of Man? That would almost suffer. Well, but it doesn't, man. again, it doesn't say no, it doesn't that he good. kissed him. Nope. Remember, we went through this with the baptism. <laughs> yeah, we did. John doesn't, you can't even say, I mean, not even close to talking about the baptism of Jesus. It's totally left out. In Luke, after Jesus had been baptized, it, it skips the event. It just talks about it in the past tense. Matthew and Mark actually have Jesus getting baptized. actually says it in the active tense. So here we have yet another example of Luke pushing it away just a tiny bit, just a smidgen. Just a smidgen. Not big, but it's still there. In all four Gospels, some poor dude gets his ear chopped off by some other person who's impetuous, who doesn't wait for the order, who just, after asking the question, just and wham. Or he's probably left-handed. Wham. And it seems like the elements of the story that are you know, foundational are Judas and, and the ear. The ear, the scuffle. That's right. And it takes place in Gethsemane. They all and, agree on that. And they didn't recognize him before in all of this. He's asking there the is a question. Because he says, whom do you seek? 
we seek Jesus of Nazareth. And he's asking the question, had they they should have known that was him. Yeah, and each one, really, that's that's pretty consistent. That's a consistent, although how that's established is different. Correct. Nevertheless, it is consistent. Um, so there, there is a scuffle. Uh, one of the other interesting connections between Luke and John, and we've seen this repeatedly, when John and the synoptics agree, it's usually John agreeing with Luke. And that's in which ear? Luke also says right ear. <laughs> which also is consistent with his interest in anatomy and other things of medicine yeah, because the, the specificity of which ear. Of course. That's yes? Well, I was just noting, we were talking about the, the chief priests. Yep. Jesus said to the chief priests and the captains. Uh, back here in verse 47, it just says there came a crowd that uh-huh. doesn't identify who Suddenly the chief priest in the crowd. The chief priest is suddenly there. The crowd, and the elders are suddenly there. But they you know they They could have been Yeah, the but they're not identified in Mark or Matthew or John as being there. Right. They simply are, which is yeah. interesting in Luke. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just very a, an unnamed crowd, oh, yeah, unidentified crowd. Uh-huh. So Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So Thank you, Luke. the interconnections, there are, some con- there are some consistencies and there are some interesting differences between these. Get used to this. We're going to see this through <laughs> from here until the end of the Gospel of John. That's what we're going to be to see. A continual pattern of consistencies and inconsistencies. Some of them, some of the consistencies are blatant like the scuffle and the chopping off of an ear. Some of the inconsistencies are blatant, as in uh, the day on which they have the supper in which Jesus dies, uh, and, and you cannot reconcile them. And then some of the inconsistencies are theoretically reconcilable based on perspective. And we'll see them as we process our way through the whole thing. But. But this is, this is a good start for that. So now let's go back to John. So back to John, chapter 18. Verse 12. So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. Remember, he, he, he was, the Holy Spirit comes upon him several chapters back, and he speaks and he says, it's better for one man to die for the people than for all the people to get killed by the Romans. So instead of allowing Jesus to raise up this insurrection against Rome, just kill him and get it over with. And he was actually speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit when he said it and didn't realize what he was saying. At least that's what it says several chapters back in John. That's what that reference is. Um, So here we have Jesus being taken, verse 12 of chapter 18 of John's Gospel. We have Jesus being taken first to Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas. Well, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Annas, though, the, the note in my Bible in verse 13 says, Annas, though deposed by the Romans in A.D. 15, was still the leading influence among the Jews through his son-in-law, 
and four sons who succeeded him as high priest. Well, if he was deposed in 15 AD by the Romans, he's kind of like an elder statesman then. He's no longer officially high priest because the Romans won't let him serve. But they, he still wields a great degree of authority, sort of like a high priest and emeritus or something like that. So, uh, and now his, his son-in-law is serving as high priest. And according to Josephus, that, by the way, this fits with Josephus and what Josephus tells us about the period. And Annas was deposed in 15 and that then his four sons served successively and then Caiaphas, who is the um, who is his son-in-law, then serves and is serving in 30, 33-ish when this happens. All right. Okay. Hmm. So this is interesting. Um, as we'll see, the synoptics don't talk about this at all. All right. But but John does. Um, so the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish people arrested. Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, a high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple. Does everybody say another disciple there? <laughs> what does yours say? Simon Peter followed Jesus. Oh, and so did, sorry, uh -huh. so did another disciple. Another? Yeah, that's what mine says. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Good. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went in with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. I thought he went to Ananus. Annas and high priest gets interchanged here quite frequently, by the way. Since the disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside at the gate. Kind of a reverse of what we know about Peter today, standing at the pearly gates waiting for people to come in. Uh, Here, Jesus, Peter's on the other side. Yeah. Then card. card. Ironic, isn't it? But Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, notice, woman, servant of the high priest, guarding the gate. That's a little strange. Woman, woman. The woman said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He, Peter, said, I am not. Now the slave, now the, now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. So that's that's the setting, all right? And he's been asked once now, and he said no. And it was a woman who asked him. Why was a woman guarding? Why would she be a guard? Well, she, he said kept the door. That may be a door. That sounds better to me. Doorkeeper. Mm -hmm. the yeah, the doorman, the door person. Mm -hmm. yeah. Door person. That makes a lot bit more sense in guarding. Then, well, I don't think it's like a sentry. It's just a servant who's yeah, gotcha. keeping the door. The door. Mm -hmm. then, the, then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, 
I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? And essentially, he gets hit for being insolent. And Jesus says, But I spoke the truth. Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. It's a little bit confusing, isn't it? Annas is sort of the high priest. By courtesy, I suppose he maintains the title. Kind of like pre president of the United States, that even when you're no longer serving, right. you still so have the Mr. title. President. I, see, yeah. I see George H.W. Bush there. <laughs> They're living in the same <laughs> Yes. Yeah, well, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of getting kind of that idea. The NIV proposes that they did this with the high priest thing so that he wouldn't be sentenced the same day of the trial because that would not be lawful. Mm, isn't that sweet? Hmm. How convenient. How convenient, yeah. I don't know about that. I, I don't know about stretch. that. Verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They, so, so verse 19 through 24 is taking place inside. Now we're back outside where Peter's standing there warming his buns. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, are, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Kind of like... Didn't you chop off my cousin's ear? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock crowed. And it's a dang good thing because he probably would have denied him four or five more other times, you see. <laughs> in old, right, in old right. English, it's the cock crew. Crew? The cock crew, all right. For the Jimmy. How about begin to Okay, now that's John's version of the trial before the Jewish authorities. That was it. That's it. The trial before the Jewish authorities. That's it. That's all of it? Before the Jewish authorities? Exactly. Oh, the Jewish Okay. Now we got Pilate to go to, but that's yet to come. Let's read the parallels now in Mark, Matthew, and Luke on the trial before the Jewish authorities. So go to Mark. 53. Uh, yeah, 53. 53, yeah. 51, talks about the boy who runs away uh, wearing nothing but a linen cloth, and they catch a hold of him, but he left the linen cloth and ran off naked. Uh, that's supposed, supposedly uh, Mark's own signature of himself, and Mark is the only gospel that contains that. Uh, so anyway, verse 53. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and elders and the scribes were assembled. Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the guards, warming himself at the fire. Now, it's, it's very similar, except John is far more elaborate 
with regards to the gatekeeper and with regards to John being there too or the, the, the other disciple being there too and, and thus and such. But otherwise, it's very, and it's Annas and not Caiaphas, but it, otherwise it's very similar. I mean, it's pretty much the same setting. Verse 55, now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many gave false testimony against him, and their testimony did not agree. Some stood up and gave false testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. But even on this point, their testimony did not agree. I mean, in other words, they didn't coach their witnesses very well. <laughs> the prosecution should have done a better job. Um, then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Have you no answer? But he was silent and did not answer. Hmm. Hmm. But he was silent and did not answer. Again the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. Does yours have he there? Nope, just I am. Yeah. Just I am. I am. I go and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. You know, just the I am would have been enough. But now he has to add this little quotation <laughs> Boy, in. Boy, that'll do it. Oof. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, Why do we still need witnesses? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? All of them condemned him as deserving death. Some began to spit on him, to blindfold him and strike him, saying to him, Prophesy. The guards also took him over and beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she stared at him and said, You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I do not know or understand what you are talking about. The first person to ask him was a woman. That's interesting. That is interesting. Now, now it's not a woman manning the gate. It's a servant girl, but it is a woman who asks, the first person asks the question. Same as in John. That's an interesting connection. Um, but he denied it, saying, I do not know or understand what you're talking about. And he went out to the forecourt. Uh, other ancient authorities read, what should I do? No, excuse me, gateway. Uh, went out to the gateway. And he went out to the gateway or forecourt. Then the cock crowed. Wait a minute, he's only denied once. Yes, remember, in the synoptics, in Mark especially, he denies three times, and there are two cock crowings before he's done. Then the servant girl, on seeing him, began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders said, again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to curse and swore an oath, I do not know this man you are talking about. At that moment, the cock crowed for the second time. Then Peter remembered that Jesus had said to him, Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and 
wept. So, in John we have one crowing of the cock for three denials. In Mark we have two crowings of the cock for three denials. The first person to ask him if he is one of Jesus' disciples is a woman. The trial, there is this confusing bit in John as opposed to Mark about who's the high priest in some ways. Mark, notice, doesn't even name him. He just says he's the high priest. And the details of the trial are somewhat different in terms of the questions and the attempts to present false testimony against Jesus, whereas you don't have that at all in John. No, I would not characterize John's as, a, as even a trial. This, this Mark clearly is a state trial. trial. They're trying to present evidence. they got witnesses. Yeah. In John, no, it's just... <laughs> Jesus just speaks. Yeah. Again, it's... It's a, it's a platform for Jesus to say something. Okay, let's look at Matthew's parallel here. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, in whose house the scribes and the elders had gathered. But Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside he sat with the guards in order to see how this would end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for false testimony against Jesus, so they, that they might put him to death. But they found none though many false witnesses came forward. At last two came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. The high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But Jesus was silent. And the high priest said to him, I put you under oath before the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on clouds of heaven. Notice how they artfully uh, skipped the I am statement. Mm -hmm. Then the high priest, but, but the response is the same. But then the high priest tore his clothes and said he has blasphemed. Well, what's blasphemy about this? Nothing, unless, unless you have said so is replaced with ego a me or Yahweh. And then it is. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He is blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? You uh, have now heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? And they answered, He deserves death. And then they spat in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Messiah, who is it that struck you? Now Peter, in essence, it's Mark's rendition. A little, little smoother. A little better written, uh, a little more detailed, but it's essentially the same. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. Where's, where's the fire? <laughs> I mean, you know, we... <laughs> Went out. <laughs> They're not doing that. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before all of them, saying, I do not know what you're talking about. 
When he went out to the porch, another servant girl saw him and said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. How does she know this? Okay. She just does. Good question. <laughs> she just does. Everybody saw him. I mean, he was hanging around the temple and teaching. and yeah. The, tr- the guard who went to arrest him don't, but the servant girls do. <laughs> knows, his, knows his retinue. Knows Peter. Knows his retinue. See, that's, that, that is fascinating. The guards don't know who Jesus is, but the servant girls know the retinue, know who Peter is. Would they have more time? Checking out the guys? (laughs) The guards were busy, the girls were on break. (laughs) (laughs) And Peter is sampling the fare? I don't know. (laughs) Again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. You sound like a Galilean. Shoot, not me. He's changing. Sorry, please. Then he... Yes, exactly. (laughs) Then he began to curse, and he swore an oath. I do not know the man. At that moment, the cock crowed. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So Matthew breaks for Mark in a number of times the cock crows. And in this respect, agrees with John. Other details from the account are similar to Mark's or identical to Mark's. It's certainly totally reconcilable. Uh, Matthew has two different servant girls. Mark has the same doing it twice. All right. It's still fascinating. What is it that you don't think the um, Sanhedrin would consider blasphemous about? You have said so. I say in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on clouds of heaven, and he's referring to himself. That's a little. Yeah, but that's not blasphemy. Blasphemy is claiming yourself to be God or, or, or claiming um, the works of God are evil or claiming the works of God for yourself. Well, how about, wouldn't, you know, I'm able to destroy the temple and build it again in three days? That's is just that presumptuousness. I mean, I'd, get, I'd kill him for that, but, <laughs> but that's not blasphemy. I mean, it's, it's violence. It's, it's standing against the authority of the temple, but it's not something that you would rip your clothes over. The priest would tear his clothing uh, uh, ceremonially when he would hear Yahweh's name articulated. You just do that. And, and that's blasphemy to say Yahweh's name. But, and to say, I am, that's a direct translation in the Hebrew, would have been pronounced Yahweh. It's you're saying God's name. Yeah, absolutely. That's blasphemous. And that's how we have in Mark. We don't have that in Matthew. But wouldn't it be blasphemous to put yourself up on God's right hand? I thought you couldn't do that. I don't think you Seated at the right hand of power and coming on clouds of heaven. It certainly is a pretty pretty, uh, exalted statement about himself, but it it doesn't really come to that level. It, It might, but it's weaker. It's much more strong if you take that have you, you have said so out and put in the more direct response, I am, which is what Mark has. Matthew has intentionally done that 
to lessen the offensiveness the Jews, to the Jewish Christians who are reading this passage. Good Jewish Remember, Matthew was written by a Jewish Christian for Jewish Christian community. Gotcha. A Christian community that is Jewish in its background and in its culture. And hence, too many of these Yahweh statements is just offensive to them. And it's offensive to them in the form of the Greek version, ego eimi. All right. So let's take a look at Luke. So the Luke parallel, which again is very different from the uh, the Mark and Matthew parallel, uh, and it and it comes in a couple of different sections. So. Chapter twenty-two, beginning at verse. 54. Luke is the one who brings Herod in. Yes, but that's that's later. during the trial with Pilate. That's 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 a little later. Not much later. It'll be tonight. Real, real Verse 54. When they seized him, then they seized him and led him away, bringing him to the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man also was among was, was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. That was the 1960s version of Peter. That's what I was <laughs> Man, it's King James, word for word. Uh, is it really? <laughs> then, then about an hour later, still another kept insisting, Surely this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Don't call me Shirley. No, 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 no. no. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. So Luke also breaks with Mark on the double crowing of the cock and just has a single one on the three denials. And notice verse 61. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. This is taking place with Jesus sitting right there, waiting. How does that happen if he's in the courtyard? He's not. He's in the courtyard. Luke doesn't have them going for a trial at this point. He's sitting in the courtyard at the fire. Peter and Jesus are there. The soldiers are there, and they're waiting. They're waiting. And, and it makes it even worse. Peter denies Jesus, and Jesus oh, is sitting there. right there. Mm-hmm. They still got that fire thing working for some Yeah, the fire comes back. It wasn't in Matthew, it's in Luke. Well, it's cold, it's night, it's, it's going to be chilly. Hmm. Okay. Verse 63. Now the men who were holding Jesus began to mock him and beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they kept heaping many other insults on him. So what happens in the trial 
after, at the end of the trial, is now being done by just the guys who are sitting around there, the guards. We're in chapter 22 at verse 63 and following. Okay. So, I mean, what happens in the trial in Matthew and Mark happens here, and there hasn't been a trial by the guard. Yeah. And it's because, uh, maybe this is what you were saying, Rich, but it's, it's, what's, it's that first line of 66. That's what they're waiting for, is sunrise. Uh-huh. They're waiting for sunrise. Yeah, daytime. When they came, I guess maybe Caiaphas just didn't want to get up. <laughs> well, what I've read is, 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 is this, this, this nighttime trial stuff was just very unmatic. Jewish. It just would not happen. Yeah. It would not happen. And there's a question as to that, and Luke apparently knows that. However, there's probably some good reason to suspect that maybe indeed it did happen at night. It just, it just makes it even more illegal. Mm -hmm. Or they were trying to show, make it sound really illegal. The, uh, but, but I mean, John, either John Mark kind of and Matthew are in agreement in that this was a totally illegal trial. It happens at night. That just did not happen. Or Luke is fixing it because he's using Mark. Luke is fixing it knowing that there just would not have been a nighttime a, a before sunrise trial. And, and John is, is more reasonable in that it's just sort of a, a, a they pass in the night. You know? yeah, <laughs> it's not really a trial. Yeah, it's just, just, a, it's just an event that happens at Caiaphas' house, but it's obviously not a, it's taking the place of the trial, but it's not a trial, not, not legally, not even, not even in its structure and what happens. It, it's more like an interview than anything else. When day came, verse 66, chapter 22 of Luke. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, gathered together, and they brought him to their council. They said, if you are the Messiah, tell us. He replied, I, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I question you, you will not answer. But from now on, Jesus is preaching a sermon. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. All of them asked, are you then the Son of God? And he said to them, you say that I am. Then they said, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Notice the lines that are given to Caiaphas in Mark and in Matthew are said by them. Just kind of a, you know, generic them. Yeah, they all. Have. And it's a very similar statement as found in Mark and Matthew. But again, Luke has put his uh, editor's pen to it and smoothed out some of the rough edges to, to make it flow a little better. And Jesus essentially is in charge and he's preaching a sermon here. And does, is it pretty clear that the I am is the Yahweh statement or the translation of the, the Greek is ego a me. It is, it is the phrasing that would have been used. Uh, it's the phrasing that is used in the Old Testament where in the Greek translation of the Old Testament where God says I am that I am, tell them that I am sent you. It, it is ego a me. Well, what's the Son of God? How is that different? Well, the Son, Son of God of has been added in there. That's oh. interesting. It's been it's it's part it's it's how Luke has rendered this, and that actually speaks more to a Gentile audience in many ways. The phrasing "Son of Man" wouldn't have made a heck of a lot of sense to the Gentiles at all, 
to the Jews, it generally means a human being, but it has a, a eschatological uh, type of understanding of being the special son of man, the very important one. And then, uh, whereas for, for Gentiles to say son of God, that has a big impact. Luke is writing to Gentiles, to Gentile Christians. That wouldn't have the I am, that's not the... The I am wouldn't have the strength, but notice he doesn't say blasphemy. He simply says, we've got all the testimony we need. Let's kill him. So in other words, the charge here is not blasphemy. There's no ripping of the robe. There's no yell of blasphemy. There is simply the statement, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. That doesn't seem as strong as the other two. It's not as strong. No, it's not. It's not at all. It's not at all. Okay. Well, now we finished in the, in the synoptic comparison between John and the synoptics. We see that Mark and Matthew are pretty good about depicting a trial of, of a kind. So is Luke, although it's a little bit later than Matthew and Mark's. And the, uh, you have the scene where Peter denies, that's one of the things, by the way, that's common throughout all four. You have the scene where Peter denies that he's one of Jesus' disciples. In Mark and Matthew and in John, it takes place while the trial or this interview is going on or trial, depending on which gospel you're reading. In Luke, it happens while Jesus is sitting right there, which is very different. But it's still the but same his basic scene. Turned. Huh? Yeah, well, he turns and looks at him. He turns and looks at him. Some of the, some of the back, visuals I've seen of this, you know, he's even across the courtyard. But, you know, uh -huh. when the words are spoken, why he turns around. He turns and, and looks. Yeah. The cock crowing wasn't enough. And then the <laughs> cock crowing, uh, John agrees with Matthew and Luke in terms of how many times. Yeah. Mark is the only one which says twice. The identity of the first questioner is a woman. Oh, okay. And so it's interesting. It's, it's, it's clearly depicting, recounting the same basic story, but with some differences. None of them in this case are destructive to the thought that some kind of a trial or interview took place before the high priest and before the high priest emeritus, possibly, as John says. And that this thing was irregular, either illegal and taking place at night, or irregular in that it really wasn't a trial, just an interview more than anything else, uh, a fact-finding event, maybe. Um, and Luke depicts it after sunup, which puts it back into legality again. Although what they find is rather weak. Um, so. Yeah, but Luke's, if I just read that right, is but that's Pilate and Herod. I haven't gotten there yet. That's next. But, okay. but e even though they don't use the word blasphemy, the I am statement would be. That would be, would be yes. Blasphemy. It would be blasphemy and, 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 and would be problematic for Jews. Uh, I, don't think the, uh, I don't think that the Gentile Christians picked up on the strength of the blasphemy of the statement. Hence, no, no reason to say blasphemy. And Luke's, yeah, I'm, and Luke's not interpreting that. No, he's not. He's kind of letting go. He doesn't even bother. <coughs> Why bother? Okay, let's go back to John. 18. John chapter 18. John chapter 18. 
beginning at verse 28. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters, the Praetorium. Uh, the Praetorium is, uh, is the Antonia Fortress in Jerusalem, just north of the Temple Mount. Um, the remains of it today are two arches that go across the Via Della Rosa just inside from the Lion's Gate. That's pretty much all that's left of it other than its foundations, which are still there. Um, the build, other buildings are built on top of it now. But for the most part, it's gone, except for two archways. Um, but it, this would have been the, the garrison, the Roman garrison in Jerusalem, where Pilate would have lived when he would visit Jerusalem. Pilate's principal city of re residence was Caesarea Maritamia on the sea at, at, uh, uh, in the Mediterranean. And uh, that's where his uh, palace was and the hippodrome where he could watch his horse races and all sorts of other stuff. That was, a, uh, that was where he lived, a very much a Gentile area. Um, but he would come to Jerusalem, and here he is in Jerusalem for this event, or for the, for the Passover. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters, to the Praetorium, literally. It was, er, what does the NIV read there? Does it say headquarters, or it says uh, Praetorium? And to the palace, palace? the Roman governor. Palace? Uh, yeah, I've, I've got Hall of Judgment. Hall of Judgment? Oh, what does the RSV read? That's huh? a Praetorium. Praetorium. The Greek is Praetorium. So that's it is the official, yeah, the pilot, the, 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 the residence of, mm -hmm. of the governor. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters, so uh, the, the Praetorium, so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. Dun, 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 dun. That's now, remember we talked about this. We struggled with this for quite a while. Uh, what day did the Lord's Supper take place on? The synoptics say that the Lord's Supper was, in fact, a Passover Seder meal. Yeah. John's Gospel does not say that. No. Instead, John's Gospel has Jesus dying on the cross at the time that the lambs are being slaughtered in the temple, hence fulfilling the theological proclamation that Jesus is our Passover lamb or sacrifice. Mm -hmm. All right. The synoptics make the same affirmation, but they do it within the context of the Lord's Supper and in the context of the whole event. Yeah, the but they don't have him dying on on the at the time of the slaughtering of the animals. Yeah. The animals have already been slaughtered. Yeah, because he's eating. Right? He's eating. He's eating the Passover ritual. So Same. the meal. So so the synoptics depict it on one day, the day after Passover, whereas John depicts this as happening at the time of the slaughtering of the animals, the day of and before. So the meal takes place the night before. The slaughtering of the animals. So it's not in, in John's. It not. It's not the Passover. And no. we had the statement where they thought that that Judas was was being was talking to Jesus. And when Jesus says, "Go do what you're going to do," but you know, do it quickly, you know. And they thought because they couldn't overhear him, the other disciples thought that Jesus was telling him, you know, go buy something to get ready for the Passover meal. Uh -huh. And here we have them saying. Here it's saying about the high priest, he can't go into the praetorium, he can't go into this Gentile building because if he is, he'll be defiled. He won't be able to do what he's supposed to do as the high priest. 
you know, lead in the slaughtering of all the, the lambs, and he wouldn't be able to eat the Passover because he'd be unclean. So clearly John's gospel is dating, timing this event, uh, all happening earlier by one day than the synoptics. And it's being driven by theology. Absolutely. The importance of proclaiming Jesus as the Paschal Lamb for all eternity is pushing this event earlier. All right? Now, the synoptics say essentially the same thing. And, and Paul himself talks about Jesus as our Passover. And the synoptics do it by pointing to the meal and to Jesus when he says, this is my body and this is my blood. They point to it in the meal itself and he becomes the Passover that way. Not in the sacrifice on the cross, but in the meal. He's, that's the high priest thing. Yes, Versus exactly. Jesus is the high priest. In the, in, in the synoptics, Jesus is the high priest. In John, Jesus is the lamb, the sacrifice. All right? So we see theology pushing John to retime the event. He's done that before. So of course he's done matter. that before. He's not interested in chronology. <laughs> Why would anyone? Chronology is not important to John. Hasn't been no, since no, day no, one. Since John chapter 1. Chronology <laughs> exactly. is not an issue. Exactly. It's a thematic structure. Not even doesn't even really pretend to be chronology. Although now we're in a narrative format that seems to follow a chronology. Alright? But that's interesting. They took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's Praetorium. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the praetorium so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. Verse 29. So Pilate went out to them and said, well, firstly, from what we know about Pilate, I, I kind of, get their lazy asses in here. I don't want, exactly. I'm not going to go out to exactly. them. They need to come in here and talk to me. I'm the governor. This is my palace. It was too early anyway. <laughs> so Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. That's not That's an on pretty thick. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Again, the, the Jews, if, if and when they did kill people, they did it by stoning. Whereas, and they weren't officially really allowed to do that, although it happened. Um, where the Romans executed uh, non-Roman citizens, they did it by crucifixion. Okay, so, um, the guy from our, for our church, St. Stephen, he was stoned, right? Mm -hmm. And then Paul yeah, came up later. They stoned uh -huh. plenty of people. You know, but that wasn't an official action. That was just, that was, that was just that a, was a mob action. That was just a death. Okay. Yeah. That was a mob action, a lynching more than anything else. Well, I, you know, from what I've studied, you know, this, this is one of the most disingenuous parts of this whole thing. They could very well have executed it's anybody really they darn well wanted. To. Wouldn't have been. And, and even, this, even Pilate says to them, you know, do it yourself. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. The Jewish authorities did not want to take responsibility. 
for this event because they were afraid of an insurrection. They were, in this sense, John is right. They were afraid that this would result in a galvanizing, if they did it, a galvanizing of, of his supporter, of Jesus' supporters, against them in an insurrection against Rome, and then Rome would come in and flatten them. They were afraid of that. I think that's correct. I think that's probably a correct insight. They didn't want to make him a martyr. Now, could they have, could they have killed him? Sure they could have. They did it all the time. They, they, they didn't officially do it. Because officially they weren't allowed to execute people. But they did it all the time anyway. They did it all the time. Yeah. All right. Raised him up. Then Pilate entered the praetorium, again summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own? Jesus answered, do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Jesus, that's a good question, by the way. Mm -hmm. Did we see that the charge, that was a charge against Jesus? That they, There's no indication. They don't say anything mm -hmm. in John's gospel that this is the charge against Jesus. Then Pilate entered the headquarters, the praetorium, again, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, am I a Jew? That's a good response. A good <laughs> I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not from this world. Here we got Jesus preaching again. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were from this world... My followers will be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus replied, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? Very powerful question, by the way. That has been echoed down to us across the centuries, mm -hmm. repeatedly in many contexts. I have a question for you. How did John know this to write this down? Mm -hmm. I mean, who's there? Jesus is there, Pilate's there, and there must be soldiers there. I thought Peter was But there's no Peter. Gee, Peter, Peter's yeah. not there. Uh -uh. There's no John. John's not there. He's not depicted as being there. The high priest and all, they're outside. So... How did John find this out? Oh, Pilate told him, obviously. <laughs> it was written in Mark. <laughs> no, no this is not in Mark at all. It's not in Mark? Okay. No. How did think he? I think he, he created it to make a point. Yes, One answer is, is that this is the creation of the author to give Jesus this platform to make these statements. Mm -hmm. It's possible that Jesus could have said it someplace else, something similar about being the truth. And, 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 and all, in fact, he does. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the question, you know, what is truth is, a, is an interesting question that, that, you know, on the lips of Pilate is actually a very positive thing for these Gentiles to ask. One theoretical answer is, is that, well, Jesus is the source for this. After the resurrection, John says, uh, Jesus, what happened in there with Pilate? <laughs> <laughs> 
Jesus tells them. And it would I'm fun. serious. There are people who have made that sure, speculation. Of course so why wouldn't uh, <laughs> why wouldn't Mark and Matthew gotten that, gotten wind of that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You'd think they would. They, yeah. Wow. They hey, hey, Jesus is telling John they what happened in the trial. Hey, Jesus, would you repeat that, please? <laughs> what happened in the trial? I'm and serious. Why did they That's get the day wrong. <laughs> yes. For the same reason, though, Dad. Yes. Still, I just—it's a fascinating question. I, the answer is obvious. This is crafted to give Jesus a platform to have this conversation with Pilate and to make these statements. I cannot believe John would do something that again. He would never do it again. Like that. There you go. Again. <laughs> and again. And again. And it—it's not out of character with what else we've seen. And it puts Pilate in a fairly good light. Yeah, that's one of the things, is that knowing what we really know about the real Pilate, this, this account of him, you know, entering into a philosophical discussion. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Mm -hmm. not going to happen. He would have pushed no. the guy down the steps and said, you know, I'm he done with this. You know. He wouldn't have, yeah, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have gone out to them the or first Or knifed him himself. He yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. That's not, he just, because he didn't want to lift his arms is probably the reason why he didn't do that. It, I, I don't have a problem saying that this has been authored by the author of John to give Jesus this platform to make these statements and to have this give and take between Pilate and Jesus on an equal level. Because that's what it looks like here, more or less. I mean, here's Jesus standing in the Praetorium, having this conversation with Pilate. In the movie, The Passion of the Christ, in the film, Jesus speaks Aramaic everywhere else. But in this scene, he speaks Latin. He's talking with Pilate in oh, Latin. Yeah. Yeah. You remember that? Hmm. Now, that would, that he yeah, would have spoken Greek, Greek but, but that's how they depict it, which kind of brings that same idea across. The purpose, and actually is in accord with John, the purpose here is to give Jesus this setting to have this conversation with Pilate and for us to hear it and read it. And, and really for this last question, Pilate asked him, what is truth? And that is a theme that has been throughout the Gospel of John. Jesus is the truth. What is truth? Truth is standing right in front of you. After he had said this, that's Pilate, after Pilate had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? And they shouted in reply, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. Aha. Uh -huh. Or had taken part in a rebellion. Is that what it says? Of taking, course. Taking NIV. part in a rebellion. <laughs> of course. Thank you, NIV. Now we need to read the parallels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So go to Mark. Go to Mark. Go to Mark. Chapter uh, 15. We'll bring it in breakfast now. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> oh, it's still early. Oh, it's early. Okay. We started oh, late. We started late. Okay, um, this won't take a whole lot longer. Chapter 15. As soon as it was Wait, morning, where are we? Chap Mark chapter 15, verse 1. One. Oh, okay. Yeah. As soon as it was morning, 
The chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes in the whole council. They bound Jesus. That sounds like the official one since they, what they did at night was illegal. Uh, they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Well, that's interesting. That's the same question. Yeah. Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, you say so. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, this is from John. Are you the king of the Jews? That's Pilate's question. Jesus answered, do you ask this on your own or did others tell you about me? He got argumentative in John's gospel. Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own <laughs> nation. And then he asked him the question again, what have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Here in, in Mark, are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, you say so. Then the chief priest accused him. Of, the chief priests are there. This is happening in the praetorium, and chief, they're there. Well, it's they not got, a problem. They got dirty because it's afterwards. They're already done with or the Passover. Yeah. Then the chief priests accused him of many things. Pilate asked him, "Have you no answer? See how many charges they bring against you." But Jesus made no further reply. So Pilate was amazed. Okay. That's more or less it, but let's keep going. Now, at the festival, he used to release a prisoner for them, anyone for whom they asked. I mean, Pilate was such a nice guy. (laughs) Now, a man called Barabbas was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder uh, during the insurrection. So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. Then he answered them, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? So, so, so here in Mark, it's their idea. In, in John, it's his idea. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priest had handed him over. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate spoke to them again. Then what do you wish me to do with this man you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, crucify him. Pilate asked them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Hmm. Hmm. All right, that's pretty straightforward and really short. But you can kind of see the kernel of the source for this dialogue between Pilate and Jesus in John's Gospel is the trial as depicted in the Synoptics. Just really fleshed out. All right. Okay, go to Matthew. Chapter 26, 27. 27. Matthew 27, verse 1. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus in order to bring him to death, about to order to bring about his death. They bound him. So in other words, again here we have, well, we, you know, we've got a, 
we've got to do the conferring in the morning and make it official in the morning because what we did during the night was illegal. They bound him and led him away and handed him over to, to Pilate, the governor. Let's skip the Judas bit. Yeah. Verse 11. Skip down to verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You say so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But he gave him no answer, not even a single charge, so the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. Well, that's interesting. What? Other ancient authorities lack Jesus here. Uh-huh. Called Jesus Barabbas. Is that in the King James? Verse 16. Sorry, 16. 16 verse, chapter, six, chapter 27, verse 16. Right at the very end of 16. Right at the very end of 16. Notable prisoner? Yes. Called Barabbas? Just, just that. No Jesus. You got Barabbas. Mm-hmm. Just call Barabbas. You're the only one Jesus. Uh-huh. Yeah, there is a note on this one that says some ancient authorities read Jesus Barabbas. Uh-huh. Yeah. But not as ancient as NIV went back to, right? NRSV has it too. I'd have to look it up. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, whom, whom do you want me to release for you, Jesus Barabbas, or Barabbas, or Jesus, who is called Messiah? That could get confusing. Yeah, really. <laughs> for he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife, okay, here's some, one of the pieces that's different, yeah, that is unique different. to Matthew. His wife, Pilate's wife was Claudia, the um, niece of the emperor Claudius. His wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, which of these two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to them, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? And all of them said, let him be crucified. Then he asked, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then the people as a whole answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Remember this uh, there's still this great animosity, even though these are Jewish Christians uh, writing Matthew and two Jewish Christians, there's this animosity between them and the Jewish establishment who have tossed them out of the synagogues. Hence, his blood be on us and on our children. So he released Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. So Mark and Matthew essentially say the same thing with some additional material, particularly the bit about Pilate's wife. Right. Seems what, a little odd that he washed his hands of, of him and then flogged him before he handed him back over. Mm-hmm. Very odd. It's happened. It's what happens in Mark, more or less. He gets flogged and then handed over. It's also what happens in John, although it happens in the next chapter, which will be next week. But if he washed his hands, why would he just get rid of him? Yeah. Or did he flog him just for fun? 
Luke will give us a different answer. Yeah. Okay. Luke will give us a completely different answer, which I think is more believable, but we'll, 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 we'll address it when we get there. Luke, of course, presents a pilot in the very best of lives. I mean, Mark, oh well, he's kind of an ambipamby. And Matthew, he's a wimp. He doesn't want there to be a, a, a resurrection, so he bows to their demands. And Luke, well, we'll see. Turn to Luke. Chapter 23. Chapter 23, Luke, verse 1. Then the assembly rose as a body. And by the way, Luke is very different now from Matthew or Mark and John. <laughs> then the assembly rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes and, uh, to the emperor, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. And that, if, if I'm not mistaken, and I've been trying to read back and forth, but that's the first time there's a transition. And, and the other, at least in John, and I think uh -huh. in the other two, why Pilate just starts out. Yeah. Are you the king of the Jews? Ask him straight out. No, there's been no prep, you know, other than this Luke's, he's a malefactor or something. Luke's like picked that. up on that. Yeah. yeah. John doesn't fix it. For us. Yeah. John Mr. doesn't fix it. Mr. Fixer. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered, You say so. Same answer. Same give and take as in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and quite frankly, very similar to John, but less detailed. Then Pilate said to the chief priest of the crowds, I find no basis for an accusation against this man, but they were insistent. And said, he stirs up the people by teaching all throughout Judea from Galilee, uh, where he began, even to this place. Then Pilate heard, when Pilate heard this, now, huh, here we go, here's another great big difference. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether this man was a Galilean. And when he learned that, that he was from, uh, he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him off to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was glad. Very glad, for he had been wanting to see him for a long time because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some sign. He wanted to see a magic trick. What has Luke been smoking, would you think? I mean, what is all the story? Where's this, this coming is, from? This is totally unique. Yeah, it is. <laughs> he questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Even Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then he put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Here's the weirdest verse of all. Yeah. Then, that same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other because this, before this, they had been enemies. Sure. Now they're buzzing buddies because they both have this situation where they're listening to these uh, scribes and Pharisees and they really can't figure out a way to handle a problem. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. I never, I never heard that line before. Well, it's been there. We read it through last time when I we did the synoptics a year ago. Weird. Uh, <laughs> Pilate then yeah, called, in verse 13, chapter 23, Pilate then called together the chief priest, the leaders, and the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was perverting the people. Well, not quite. Yes, and also telling us not to pay our taxes to the emperor. Don't forget. Mm -hmm. Chop, chop, chop. And here I have examined him in your presence and have 
not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. There it is, Karen. Well, if he's innocent, why are you going to have him yeah, flogged? <laughs> but so at least it sounds like, well, this will mollify them. Right. And, and, exactly. Yeah. You don't have to kill him. You won't have to kill him. It's really, it's really, fan it's just interesting. Verse 18. Slap his hand and send him on his way. Then they all shouted out together, away with this fellow, release Barabbas for us. This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, Pilate's such a good guy. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept, if he really wanted to release Jesus, he would have released Jesus. Sorry. Historically, that's a fact. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why, what evil has he done? I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. He said that twice. Uh-huh. Huh. He's, he's trying, he wants to release Jesus. He wants to whip him, but he maybe you know maybe he's a little bit of a sadomasochist. We know that Pilate really was, but maybe that's maybe that's actually accurate. <laughs> um, but they kept urgently demanding, with loud shouts, that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder, and handed Jesus over as they wished. Now, most, you know, most folks, I think, most, or a lot of people say that these stories are designed to, to the extent possible, exonerate Pilate from mm -hmm. responsibility okay. because they were, they were used by Christians in the latter part of the first century who were living in the middle of the Roman Empire uh -huh. who didn't want to go around saying, you know, our Messiah was put to death by the, Romans. Death by the Roman government, you know, so they, 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 these show, well, even the Roman government really didn't think that he should be executed, even though that's exactly who executed. You know, sure. There's no question that the Roman government executed Jesus at the behest of the Jewish authorities for whatever reason. Um, Mark's gospel presents it a little more straightforward. He's, he, Pilate has been laundered, but he's not a pushover. In Matthew's gospel, he's something of a pushover. In Luke, he's quite well, he may have done it on his own. Sure. Old wish, too. I mean, oh, I, I there's enough evidence that oh, talking about Jesus was a threat. Yeah. Or well, yeah, actually, Luke, is a threat Luke preserves a little bit of that with this bit about not paying taxes. Yeah, well, yeah, that was yeah. set up right there. So. That's the ground upon which the Romans would definitely execute him, by the way. Because it seems as though he was executed for uh, uh, sedition against the Roman government. I think they would, have, they would have gone after him for creating that ruckus in the temple. Could very well have. That was a tax issue. That was a, a tax um, issue. And the, yeah. and the Roman government was there because it was Passover, so they had their garrison there and all Good that. Good time to tax people. They're all there. 
it was it was just right. an act of rebellion, you know. The uh, yeah. to, and uh, and in that sense, then the Jewish authority, since it happened on Jewish territory, would probably say, "Yeah, get rid of him." And then Pilate, okay, we'll get rid of him. Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, it's not that the Jews Jews didn't want to get rid of him. I'm sure, they did. The authorities didn't. But the authorities. I think the Romans right. probably took it on themselves to go after. Him. Yeah, but the Barabbas was the one. Put Barabbas, set, Bar set Barabbas totally people. aside. I, I think Barabbas is a side issue. He's a, he's a red herring here. But if you're going to have the, if you're going to put that kind of thought into Pilate, or the Romans, what they would have done and what they wouldn't do, why would the Barabbas mentioned every time this is, uh, as a leader of the rebellion that murdered people? And let's let them free. So uh, I don't buy The Jews buy are so basis. corrupt, they would prefer. This is the theological reason behind that. Yeah. The Jews are so corrupt, they would prefer Barabbas over Jesus. Yeah, I get that. But speaking to peace thought, which is good, valid, but having said that, then you wouldn't have Barabbas each time. If you're going to get rid of somebody, you get rid of both of them. There's, there's little evidence of any of this will release a prisoner during Passover custom. You know, that's something no, that they've made up. That may not have even... That's Everybody. why I said that's a red herring on this issue. There's the question, okay, setting aside the historicity issue, you've got John dealing with these issues in ways that are similar to Luke, similar to synoptics, but with differences. In Mark, Pilate's been laundered, but he's still, you know, just pretty much Pilate. Not vicious in a way, but still there. But he's not a pushover as much as he becomes in Matthew, then really in Luke. And in John, he's actually something of a fairly decent character. So he has this nice long conversation with Jesus with the philosophical characteristics, and he asks that very important question, what is true? And in Matthew, he's been, Pilate's been laundered because his wife doesn't want uh, Jesus put to death. And in the tradition of the church, Claudia becomes uh, a Christian and eventually ends up converting her own husband and he becomes a Christian. Of course, that's a tradition of the church. It's not <laughs> what really happens. It's kind of like Pilate gets better and Jesus gets worse. <laughs> no, Pilate gets, gets better, worse. the Jews get worse. Yeah, the Jews. The Pilate, Pilate gets laundered. He, his reputation improves as you move later and later and more and more into the period of the persecutions. Hence the importance of making the, the conflict between Jesus and Rome less of an issue and it more being on the head of the Jews, which sold better to the Gentiles. All right. Um, I agree the Romans put him to death basically for their own reasons, for sedition. But um, I think that the Jews wanted to get rid of him and played a role in that. The Jewish leadership wanted to get rid of him and played a role in that, supported that, maybe even arrested and handed him over to them. Some role to play in that. I think there's, there's enough evidence to say that's probably true. Don't we have agreement that even in John? That the, oh, I, all four Gospels agree on that issue yeah. to some extent or other. Just like they all agree that Peter denies Jesus. And yeah. <coughs> they all have the, the, the ruckus in the garden. They all have the uh, many of these details. As I said, there's a lot of continuity between the four Gospels in, from here on out. But there's also interesting differences, and we've seen those differences. And we see you know, Mark and Matthew tend to be a heck of a lot more similar to each other, with a couple of exceptions. Luke is very different. And where he's different, he's often a little bit more like John.
have been listening to a Bible study by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of St. Stephen United Methodist Church and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2011 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information or to listen to other seminars, Bible studies, or sermons by Dr. Gregory Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at St. Stephen United Methodist Church, 2520 Oates Drive, Mesquite, Texas, 75150. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.